It's time for Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400, WDWS Champaign Urbana, where we talk all things Illini along with other area national sports. Join the program by calling 217 356 9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217 351 5357. You can also email us at talk at wdws.com. Now, here are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Well, good morning, sports fans, and welcome to Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk with you until 10 o'clock this morning. Mr. Tate, what do you say? What do you know? What do you well, hear? Well, unusual 12 o'clock game. They switched it around on us, and uh, we thought we were only going to have an hour show. Now we got a two-hour show. So we just do what they tell us, show <laughs> up right. when it's time to go and open the mics and we'll start talking. We will be here until 10 o'clock and then our Fighting Illini game day coverage begins at 10. Network coverage begins at 11 with a kick scheduled in Piscataway, New Jersey at 12.01 Central Time. That uh, game was uh, changed when Ohio State's game got canceled, so they kind of spread out a couple of the early starts a, a little bit. And uh, so that's the name of that game. Illinois goes into the game at Rutgers, a seven-point underdog on the road. Yeah, I think that uh, before the season it would have been a little different, but uh, Illinois hasn't shown much. And Rutgers has played a little better than we thought they would. Got a nice win over Michigan State, 38-27, and played Indiana, 37-20. They've scored some points. Uh, even against Ohio State, they got 27 points and de- despite the defeat. They're averaging just under 30 points in their games so far, so they're putting some points up, as you mentioned, and uh, they seem to be trying different things offensively and yeah. pulling things out uh, out they of the cabinet. Some tricks, don't they? Yeah, they do. That's okay. I mean, they might as well. I mean, it uh, it doesn't hurt to try something. I saw Michigan State pull uh, Michigan State. I saw Western Michigan pull the best play of the year. They decided, you know, they they were 20 seconds to go and they were down. They decided to kill the ball. Fake killing it and threw a pass and for a touchdown <laughs> to win the game with 20 seconds to go or less than that. Was the game tied? No, 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 it wasn't tied. It, uh, but uh, they they were behind, uh, but they had to, they had to kill it. You know, they, it looked like the clock might run out. So right. actually everybody mm-hmm. lined up in a kill. And so the defense lined up and they didn't cover the guy on the left corner at all. He just ran down the field. They threw him the ball. He caught it for a touchdown. There was one game in the Big Ten last night. Iowa pounded Minnesota 35-7 to to beat uh, the Gophers for the sixth straight time and hang on to uh, Floyd of Rosedale Boy, trophy, the big that pig. Ball. That line, that Iowa line, when they come in here, they're going to be playing at Illinois. I'm telling you, they block you. They just do. I mean, they they had those tight ends and, and uh, those linemen, they, they knock you down and, and – they they play physical. Some I I was lost two games. Steve didn't like they're going to win the national championship or anything. But I will tell you, regardless of what they do the week before, they come out the next week and play hard, and they play tough. Well, they're two and two now after yep. losing the first two yep. games, and still could be a factor in the West. Oh yeah, sure. I mean, this who knows how this is going to turn out. They got to play Wisconsin yet at mm-hmm. some point. That'll be a big one. That'll be a big one. They can get back in it. Wisconsin gets back to action tonight, playing at Michigan. How are you picking that one? Well, I'm going to pick Wisconsin. Michigan's got the home crowd. <laughs> <laughs> but it's hard to say how Wisconsin's going to 
come out after having been on the sidelines for a while. Yeah, it is. And I mean, I don't think you can predict these things. And Michigan is really up against the wall. They have got to play a football game. They lose again today, and they will be calling for Harbaugh's head. I'm they have not been one and three, which is what they would be if they lose tonight, since 1967. Is that right? Of course, what you're considering there is that they were playing three or four non-conference games at the beginning. Right. Which is, big, is a big difference in what they're playing right now. Sure. But, yeah, oh, no, I, I mean, Michigan has always been right there. I don't know. I, I'd like to watch that. That's a 6.30 game, I believe. Yep. We've got the phone lines open, 356-9397, with you until 10 o'clock. We've got uh, four guests lined up. We'll tell you about that as we move along. We'll talk some football about this ball game with a gentleman named Nick Cortano, who uh, Quartero rather, who uh, is a former coach in the Big Ten. He spent some time on the Northwestern staff. He also spent some time on the Rutgers staff. He's a, a consultant now known as Coach Q, and uh, we'll talk to him a little bit about Rutgers and what's going on out there. That'll be coming up shortly. Then at 8.30, Illini assistant coach Chin Coleman will join us. Plenty of basketball news this week. With yeah, I'll say, at least we've got most of a schedule. We do. We know we've got 20 Big Ten games coming. We just don't know when they are. And there's one other non-conference game that uh, might be penciled in or put in ink at some point, waiting for the ink to dry on whatever deal that is. But Illinois will open the season, as we suspected, on uh, November the 25th, Wednesday. That's just come, what, 10, 12 days away. Yeah. And uh, they'll play North Carolina, A&T, Wright State, and Ohio. Three games in three days. That'd right over jumping, Steve. Right over Thanksgiving, yeah. They'll, they'll be uh, – and then, uh, of course, there's an Ohio State football game uh, that weekend as well in town here. So don't know what uh, time that game will be yet, but uh, – a lot going on. Think about the uh, December 12th date. Illinois plays football in Evanston and basketball in Columbia. <laughs> Same day. They'll be calling on you to do some play-by-play there. I don't know. I think you, you might find a situation where both of those games could be called from the same location. Oh, you're right. I'm not thinking, am I? You won't be traveling anyway. Which makes a lot of sense to me because... Yeah, and then, in fact, Brian's doing his first game today uh, from the the mm-hmm. local. I was there yesterday. We set the uh, the broadcast booth, so to speak, up in a studio over at the Beefeld Administration Building. So it's going to be in Beefeld, huh? yep. and not the, not the stadium. Not the stadium. Mm-hmm. So we will be there. We've got monitors, and we'll talk more about that as we move along. But uh, and then in the uh, second hour of the show, starting at nine o'clock, Paul Clee will join us from. Colorado, talks of college basketball. He's an AP voter. He had the Illini pretty high in his ranking. I think he's had uh, I, I think he's had Gonzaga at number one for the last three years. Well, <laughs> and he's been pretty accurate. <laughs> no, he, he's, a, he's, a, he's also a graduate. I understand. And uh, they're likely to be in the Final Four. There's a lot of Final Four projections have come out, and Illinois fared pretty well in some of those. Oh, yeah. and, and But, you know, how long does it last? you got to beat Duke and Baylor. Man, if you beat Duke and Baylor, you might be in the top two or three. You know, it was funny. CBS and all their guys did their final for the, like a half a dozen guys, did their final four projections. And I think three of them had Illinois in the final four. A couple of them had Wisconsin. One of them had Wisconsin and Illinois in the final four. But none of them had Iowa. And Iowa's ranked higher than 
than either one of those teams going into the season. Iowa's got a really good offensive team, but when are they going to play the kind of defense that will get them that far? Right. They haven't ever done that under this particular regime. They, they, they like to run, they like to shoot, and they, and they are loose, and they do score. And they got the best center in basketball in Garza. But hmm, defense, uh, you got to play at some point. And, and if, you, if you go into a tournament – uh, uh, and the other, t- you're going to give up a lot of good shots to the other team. They'll probably get hot and beat you. Besides uh, the schedule news, which uh, came out yesterday, Illinois this week lost a coin flip. Yep. They had a you first see that team. Coin, by the way, I saw it. Wasn't that an interesting coin? It had Illinois on one side, and Missouri on the other. Yeah, the it wasn't heads or tails. You no, know, you know where. I asked myself. I was talking out loud to myself, mm-hmm. sitting at the laptop. Thursday night at 6 o'clock going, why am I watching this? <laughs> As it come down to this, and I'm watching Andy Katz get ready to throw a coin in the air and turn it over on his hand, I'm thinking, there's got to be something else to do. <laughs> We're basing where that game's going to be played on a coin flip. And he, then he said, you know, he practiced it all day long, and it came out 50-50. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> and then I'm going, man, what? Typical 2020, I'm watching a coin flip on the, on my laptop. But uh, And then also this week, basketball news, Io Dusumu, uh, first team All-American. So the the uh, preseason accolades keep coming in for him and unanimous All-Big Ten picks. So a lot of good stuff going on, and it's about to get real busy coming up here with football and basketball, as they always do for a period of time overlap, but uh, more so this year. Uh, today on the Big Ten schedule, Illinois at Rutgers at noon, Indiana plays at Michigan State at 11. Penn State and Nebraska at 11. Interesting game there. Two winless teams. Two of the great historic teams in football in this country, and both of them are struggling. And coming up this afternoon, a game that was originally scheduled for tonight. It was moved up a couple of hours. Number 23, Northwestern at Purdue at 4 o'clock. And as we mentioned, uh, number 13, Wisconsin, is at Michigan tonight at 6.30. That's the Big Ten schedule. And what we can't tell you is how many guys might be out for one reason or another, and that's a big factor in these games. In any game, yeah, you're right. Illinois, though, is getting a lot of guys back. Yeah, but we still don't have our quarterback back. That's true. Not number one. One more week for that. Do you think Isaiah Williams will be in there today? I do. He's he's available. I think you can – Maybe not quote me on this, but I would predict that he would be the starter. Okay. You always have secret information. No, I didn't anyway. say I had any Come secret. On now. I didn't you say had I had any secret week. information. I'm just saying I, th- I think that you'll see him as the starter in the ballgame today. Okay. It is 8-11. This is Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Off to an early start. Hope for Hopefully you're up and you're with us, and we appreciate that. We'll take our first time out. And be back with more. Stay with us here on DWS. Welcome back to the program, everybody. With Lauren Tate, I'm Steve Kelly. This is Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Early edition with you until 10 o'clock. Our pregame coverage continues at 10. The kickoff for the game in Piscataway, New Jersey, is 12.01 Champagne time today. The Illini and the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. Let's go out east now and welcome in our first guest on the show, Nick Quartero, former uh, assistant football coach, former head coach at the collegiate level as well, is with us. Good morning, Nick. How are you, sir? Good morning, guys. I'm doing great. Thank you. We'll talk a little Rutgers football. You served on uh, the Rutgers staff 
um, uh, during your career. Tell us a little bit about uh, uh, Rutgers trying to get back to where they were the first time that uh, Greg Schiano was there. What What do you see happening there? Well, the biggest thing I see here uh, this season, which uh, listening to you guys online uh, leading up to my little segment here, is that it's a season like no other. So it's hard to make direct comparisons. But uh, by the same token, uh, everybody's playing with the same uh, deck of cards, I guess. And I think uh, Coach Shiano and his staff have done a nice job really just keeping the guys together, uh, doing the right things off the field so that they have not really missed uh, a number of key guys like maybe some other teams have in terms of uh, virus protocol and all that stuff. I know. Uh, the Alani, of course, have had a few guys out, and they're getting people back, which is a big deal. Uh, but I think the biggest thing is he's keeping them together. He's got them believing. Uh, they're playing with a, an edge to them, a, an energy that uh, wasn't there certainly last year uh, during a very long season. Was getting him back uh, a no-brainer? Did he hesitate at all to come back? Uh, what do you remember about uh, the rehiring of him? Yeah, from what I know and the people that uh, I, I talk to still, you know, back that way, um, I think he, all along he wanted it, and yet he was very strong in terms of what he needed to come back and have an opportunity to really win on a consistent basis. Because while Greg was gone, uh, the arms race for facilities and everything else around the Big Ten and all of Power Five uh, Division One football you know, continued to climb. And uh, in his case, even though Rutgers had made strides uh, during my uh, three and a half years there uh, recently, uh, it's still it's still a, a race every day. And so I think Greg knew exactly what he needed. And he said, if I'm going to come back, it's going to be on my terms. And Rutgers, the alumni, the administration, everybody figured this is our shot. It's either go big or stay home. So they're going big. Well, Nick, I, I, this is Lauren. Do they have enough to give him? I mean, is there how much trouble is the school itself in financially? Uh, can they support what what he needs there for for football? Well, you know, up until uh, March of uh, 2020, they had a plan. I think everybody did, but mm-hmm. just like anyone else now. When you lose uh, the NCAA basketball tournament, you know, last uh, spring, uh, when you lose gate receipts and everything else that's tied into this current season, it's a shorter schedule. So you got less TV revenue than you originally had and no attendance. So uh, I'll be honest, I don't have an answer to that. I don't think Rutgers does, but they continue as I uh, hear things, they continue to be able to raise money. They had a, a story, I don't know if you guys saw it, about people who, you know, way back in the uh, summer had purchased uh, season tickets. Mm. And once they knew that they weren't going to allow attendance at Big Ten games, they basically asked those people if they'd like to, you know, at their uh, choice, of course, uh, turn that into a, a donation. Just, okay. Here's my season ticket money, but I don't get any tickets, but you guys keep the money and use it as best as you can. And they had a great response to that. So I think people are all in, and that's what it takes to play and compete and win at this level. You've got to have uh, complete 
commitment. What, uh, uh, Nick, what's the recruiting like for Rutgers in that area, in New Jersey and in the New York area? How, how, how strong are they in that regard? Well, it's gotten better because of uh, Greg Schiano and his staff's familiarity with uh, the, the turf out there. Um, they know how to find um, the diamond in the rough. Certainly there are a lot of national recruits that come out of the Northeast and in particular New Jersey, but uh, they've you know flown the coop. They've gone elsewhere. You can look up and down the East Coast uh, in the uh, SEC in the ACC and certainly in the Big Ten and see New Jersey kids playing on those teams and playing well. And the important thing is, as Greg did in his first tour, once he gets them winning, those kids are hesitant to leave the state because what they need is already right there in their own backyard. So there's plenty of talent. Uh, They've had uh, one recruiting season based on him arriving last winter and that was ranked higher than any of the others previously in the last five years. And from what I know, going into this next year, which is really strange, uh, recruiting when kids <laughs> can't visit campus right now, but nonetheless, uh, he's got a number of strong commitments. The other thing I'll point out, and you probably hear um, the announcers talk about it during the game, they've done a great job of identifying kids who are interested in coming back to New Jersey uh, as transfers. So they've got a D lineman uh, that you'll see today uh, who was playing at Michigan. They've got a wide receiver, Cruikshank, who contributed and played at uh, Wisconsin. They've got a safety, uh, I believe it's from Ohio State. Um, So given the fact that the NCAA has really kind of relaxed things uh, compared to me as an old-timer, uh, knowing what it is to transfer, sit out a year, and all that stuff. Uh, given the way that's changed, there's a little more free agency, and Rutgers has tapped into that, and you'll see some of that talent uh, today against the Illini. Well, and looking at the big picture, is this the right conference for Rutgers? You mentioned the ACC and, of course, the SEC. Is this the right conference? I think so, given what happened to the former Big East. You know, if you trace it back, we're all uh, old enough to remember the Big East football, when it started, was really a pretty good conference. Uh, It really represented what it was, which is essentially the northeast part of the country. You had uh, Syracuse, Pitt, Boston College, Rutgers, you know, and so on down the line. And that was a pretty formidable conference. Uh, Given what happened with all the realignment, the shuffling around of who's going where, uh, it seems a little strange because I'm a Big Ten guy at heart, having uh, played at Iowa. Uh, so I'm a kind of a traditionalist. And when Rutgers and Maryland came rolling around, I kind of looked at it with a you know a strange look. But by the same token, the way things have shaped up around the country, I don't know where else they would go and find a home as a, uh, a Division One Power Five conference uh, aside from the Big Ten or possibly the ACC, but that's not going to happen. But I'm saying from a geographic standpoint, you've got uh, Syracuse, uh, BC, and, and Pitt and the uh, ACC. So in a sense, Rutgers geographically would fit in there. Another couple of minutes uh, in our visit with Nick Cortero. What kind of game do you expect today? Rutgers about a touchdown favorite in this ball game. Illinois certainly 
in need of a victory. What do you expect to see there? Well, I think I heard you guys uh, leading up to my segment talking about uh, the Illinois uh, quarterback situation. I think that's critical. Whichever of those two younger guys play in place of Peters really kind of hold the keys to victory for for uh, Lovey's team. Um, I think they've got to be able to put up some points. Rutgers has kind of been uh, feast or famine in terms of the turnover battle. Uh, the opening game against Michigan State, uh, Michigan State played Santa Claus. They had all kinds of gifts. Seven turnovers, unbelievable. Seven turnovers by the Spartans, and, of course, that uh, helped Rutgers to victory. So Rutgers needs a little bit of help. They're good at getting the ball away, so Illinois has got to take care of it, which is an old football axiom, I know that, but that's true today. And I think, you know, if Rutgers can, can make some big plays, one thing they've missed uh, in previous years here recently was big playability. But I really believe with uh, Isaiah Pacheco at running back, who's as violent and physical a runner as you'll see, if he could pop out of there, Bo Melton, a receiver with legitimate big-time speed. They're finding a way to get him the ball deep as well as in the uh, return game and a little trick play or two here or there. He's a big playmaker. So I think for Rutgers to win, they've got to have some big plays on offense. For Illinois, consistency moving the ball against really what's a really aggressive and very sound uh, defensively football team in Rutgers. When Rutgers came into the Big Ten, I think a, a lot of the Big Ten folks had their their eyes on the potential televisions in uh, the New York area. Has that panned out, do you think, do, do people in that uh, greater New York, New Jersey area, do they watch a lot of college football? And more specifically, do they watch Rutgers in the Big Ten? Has it made a difference? Well, obviously that was the lure with both uh, Rutgers and Maryland were the TV sets. And uh, unfortunately, the good thing is we're on radio, so I can say this. It's unfortunate <laughs> how television has really, over the last, what, six to eight years, dictated, I mean, truly dictated the landscape of uh, uh, how we perceive college football, how we watch it, how we learn about it. And uh, everything from, you know, when they tell you to take timeouts to when they tell you to play and kick it off. Uh, as a coach, you know, uh, we'd sit up in the press box and complain because maybe you've got some momentum going. And after a punt, you know, you take a three-and-a-half-minute break and you come back and hope that the energy can, uh, you know, uh, crank up again. But to answer your question about TVs, I honestly don't know if uh, it's panned out from a uh, – business sense as far as how many people are tuning in in the northeast certainly uh we all know this uh winning breeds more interest even for the casual fan regardless of what sport or what team and so i think there's renewed energy there's no question that what that greg shiano has given him a shot in the arm for the region out there to want to tune in or at least be aware of what's going on and i think it'll only continue to grow but one thing that I found out after being around the game for 38 years as a coach and another four as a player is that Rutgers is not in a you know traditional, I guess you'd call it college town, such as Champaign-Urbana, Iowa City, uh, you name it, right, the Big Ten schools that we know. And so there's so much pro-influence. You've got two 
NFL teams that play um, a half hour from Rutgers Stadium. They play up at the the old Meadowlands. I don't even know what they call it anymore, but the Meadowlands. And uh, you've got uh, all kinds of other pro sports that overlap and steal, you know, space in newspapers and on websites for uh, for time and attention. So it's a little uh, tougher nut to crack when you're not winning to get media attention. But when Rutgers was winning toward the end of Shano's first tour, uh, he really, really had his uh, piece of the market, which helped the program. <coughs> Nick, I'm going <coughs> to excuse me. I'm going to swing you back to Illinois. Uh, yeah. What is the and you you coached at Iowa. You probably recruited against Illinois in your time. What is the problem with Illinois in terms of recruiting? Because Illinois' recruiting has fallen way down, and I just wonder uh, how does an outsider see what's happening here? Well, in terms of uh, the real intricacies, I, I can't identify those because those are only within the walls of the football office and and if you reach out to some of the high school coaches you know throughout the state they'd be able to offer real uh, insight but what i do know from my experience no matter what school no matter what conference if you've got turnover on your coaching staff uh it hurts uh, the lack of continuity hurts in terms of what happens on the field from an x and o standpoint it also hurts obviously in recruiting Recruiting is a business of relationships, and if assistant coaches are not the same guys showing up wearing their Illinois uh, polo shirt in the spring uh, to recruit kids, and then again in the fall, and it's a different face every time, there are not relationships being built that way. So the longer you can hold on to a staff, the longer guys keep going back to the same area where they have connections and relationships with high school coaches and people in the community, that's how you build a stronger recruiting base. And, and it's not easy. But as I mentioned earlier about Rutgers and transfers, and I know Coach Smith's got a couple, this, this is going to be a new world now uh, in terms of uh, guys changing jerseys and shopping around and finding new homes for opportunities to play. And I think that's a way, just like Rutgers this year, can help themselves get uh, you know, an immediate boost from transfers who normally wouldn't be able to play for at least one year as they sit out a red shirt. Hey, Nick, good stuff. We appreciate you taking time. And uh, I'll apologize, even though Lauren has already apologized a couple of times about <laughs> changing the, the time <laughs> of your scheduled interview. But uh, you've been very accommodating. We appreciate it. Yeah, I enjoyed it, guys. Thanks a lot, and we hope for a great game today. You Thanks, bet. Nick. So much. You bet. That's Nick Quartero out east, former Iowa player, former coach in the Big Ten, spent some time on the Rutgers staff as well. He's known as Coach Q in the coaching uh, world, and he does some consulting work now to uh, coaches. Moving up on 830 WDWS, Champaign-Urbana. We'll take our Next time out, we'll talk some Illinois basketball coming up next. Stay with us here. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on DWS. Back with more after this. Eight thirty-two. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly. Getting an early start today. We're uh, heading towards 10 o'clock. Our football pregame coverage continues at that time. And then uh, Illinois at Rutgers out in Piscataway, New Jersey, with a 
kickoff scheduled shortly after noon Champaign time. If you've taken a nap this week and you thought the game was at 11 o'clock, you were were right. It was at 11, but a couple of days ago it was changed an hour later at noon. Let's talk some Illinois basketball. Illini assistant coach Chin Coleman is on the line with us. Good morning, coach. How are you? Good morning. Good morning. Thank you. How are you guys? Good. Thanks for having me. Hey, it's getting exciting now, huh? We're about uh, 10 days away from the start of the season. We're starting to see the schedule come together. How are you guys feeling? Everybody healthy? Yeah, we're doing pretty good for the most part. Um, we, 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 we feel pretty good about where we're at and, and, and our growth. It's a pursuit of progression, and we're just trying to continue to progress and progress and progress each day, taking one day at a time, obviously, uh, you know, in the forefront, we understand that there's there's a game in about 11 days, but we we can't rush the processes. We just got to continue to use these days to get better. You know, taking it a, a day at a time uh, is good advice, no matter what. But especially so now with the way that uh, 2020 has been, eh? Uh, it's been uh, one for the ages. I think this would be one to be remembered by all. Uh, Nothing is normal. Everything is uh, abnormal and and awkward and different. And this is where you truly uh, have to show your adaptation skills and to be a a real, uh, I guess you could say, chameleon and adapt to the environment. And so uh, we've been trying to do our best with keeping our circle tight and try to adapt as much as we can. But it's it's always something new. It's always something different. So you have to be alert and and, and have awareness of, of everything around you and what's going on and try to continue to to, to, to adapt to it and, and, and try and be ahead of the curve. Take us inside practice, if you can, and just what uh, some of those practices have been like with the number of experienced guys that you've got, the number of highly anticipated newcomers. Uh, give us an inside look of the way practices have gone thus far. Um, highly competitive. What we'd like to say, turned up. It's been turned up. It's been on tilt. Uh, our guys have, have, have been chopping at a bit at each other. It gets competitive. Uh, we have uh, a lot of talent, and, 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 and guys are, are, are competing and going after each other. And so uh, that's been fun to watch. It's been difficult to, to measure our defense <laughs> because uh, our, 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 we got some really good players. So we're trying to figure out, is our defense bad or is our players really that good? <laughs> and uh, it's it's been uh, a little bit of both, but we're gonna we're gonna err on the side that our defense needs some improvement. We're not gonna uh, give the offense or give the talent of our players the, the edge on that. We have to continue to try it and 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 get our defense to a top ten, top fifteen defense in the country. And if we do that, uh, historically, the teams that have a top ten, top fifteen defense are final four teams. And Chin, this is Lauren. How how long have you been able to go actually five on five with ten guys on the court at the same time? Uh, from day one. Okay. We, we've we've been fortunate. We've been fortunate that we we at least uh, have had ten guys the 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 entire uh, the entire time for the most part. Um, we're we're probably down to uh, fourteen have fourteen guys right now available and and. Um, one is in and out, and the other one is, is shortly making himself back. So we'll be full full roster here pretty soon, hopefully pretty soon. Were you referring to Bosnes, Verdunk, and Hutcherson? Yes. What, what, was there, what, what is each of their status? Uh, day-to-day, I think. I'm not you know, part oh. of the, the medical staff, but okay. what we understand and what we've been told is that it's pretty much 
progressing day to day and uh Hutch is getting light work and some some you know contacts some non contacts uh and Verdunk has uh has yet to to get that but he's close to that because right now he's started his process of running and shooting so then it'll it's just it's it's a process for each of them and uh we'll be glad to have them both when we get the opportunity but uh you know it's next man up mentality our guys are for the most part are, are we had a we've had a good core that goes every day and that's been important and um so we've kind of linked on those guys and obviously we're allowing for those guys to pull our three freshmen along with them okay um you know ios made our another all-america uh, pre- excuse me uh, ios made a preseason all-america team and and it'd be interesting if you could tell us just what a typical day for Io is in terms of his preparation, schoolwork, and workouts, and you know, and all the lifting and all that. Just give us a typical day. Got it. It's changed because before um, we weren't testing at five thirty in the morning, uh, and we didn't have to. We were testing at five thirty in the morning. We just didn't have to sit for fifteen minutes to get the antigen check. So before that, our schedule was uh, get our test at uh, five in the morning. Uh, and at 5:30, uh, we're on the court. Uh, he and I and a group of managers, and, and, and uh, we're starting to get some, some 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 skill work in. And then at 6:30, we have weights, and he has weights. And then at seven, uh, we we have practice, and then we go practice. And after practice, we have another workout. Then at that point, it's just more shooting, all shooting pretty much. And then um, he leave, and he'll eat, and then he'll do his school work, and he'll nap. And then around 3.30, he'll come back, and then he'll get another skill and another weight of uh, training. So uh, that's been pretty much uh, uh, the schedule from here on out. But when the schedule changed and we had to sit for the antigen test, so we can't do that early 5.30 a.m. morning workout. So we're getting it after practice and then come back again, and, and, and later on in the afternoon we're getting that workout. So uh, we understand that all of the All-Americans are, are, are working. You know, we we assume that they're working. They're just not going to outwork us. Everybody's working. They're just not going to outwork us. Well, uh, is this uh, a, a more strenuous workout schedule than, let's say, Corbello or Miller, the, some of the you guys? Does everybody have that kind of a schedule? Um, very similar. Um, it's 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 become our culture, man. It, it, it's become our culture, and there's some some inner uh, dugout. I guess you can call it competition a little bit. Some some of these guys don't want the next guy to outwork them, and it's become like kind of contagious. And uh, Kofi is is, is 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 doing unbelievable, getting extra work and extra this and extra that, and no one uh, wants to be outworked. And I think that part of being a leader is not just I. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I'm getting extra weights. I'm getting extra running. I think that's a. Uh, uh, I think that's a big. Myth. That's that's the wrong way to go about defining who's a leader. I think a leader is a guy that does those things, but it's not all about I. It's about how many guys can you pull with you. It's not about I'm winning every sprint. How many guys can you pull with you to win the sprints with you or to get extra lifting or extra shoot shots? So that's what I define as a leader. It's not just the guy that I, I'm, I'm doing, I'm doing, I'm doing, I'm doing. Well, that's not the kind of leader I, I gravitate to. I gravitate to the leader that's pulling guys with him. I understand that Iowa's got one class he actually attends, and the rest he does from home. Uh, how many? Uh, what, what's typical for your other members of the team? I mean, are most of them attending classes, or are they mostly at home uh, doing it's, their work, class work? Yeah, it's a it's a little bit of hybrid for everybody. 
I think that for the most part, uh, everybody has an in 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 class uh, session, and, and most of the, the the classes are online. But I think that uh, everyone, um, almost everyone, almost everyone has a class that they actually have to uh, go in person. Talking to Chin Coleman, back to Iowa for a minute. You know, three years ago, he made a pretty bold move by staying at home and coming to the University of Illinois and everything that comes with that. And now he's a first-team preseason All-American. He's a unanimous first-team pick, All-Big Ten. And basically, at the moment, the face of the program, how do you think he's dealing with all of that? By working harder. I don't think I.O. pays attention to any of that stuff. Those are, are great mentions, but at the same time, um, you have to put in the work to, uh, obviously, that comes with a little bit of, uh, of gratification. But it, it, none of that happens if you don't work hard and if the team doesn't win. So uh, I understand that. Uh, you know, it, none of it is, is possible. None of those mentions are, are, are even mentioned if we didn't have a winning season and his, his uh, winning share wasn't going up and his progression rate wasn't going up. So it's all about, you know, not rushing the process and, and, and being mindful of, of, of running your own race, uh, so to speak. And so Iowa understands those things. We talk about those those things at nauseam. At nauseam, we talk about those things. So there's a clear-cut understanding of, of, of what his race is and how we're running it. And um, we're going to run his race um, that's tailor-made for him, not no one else's or not what no one else is doing, but his race is all about what's tailor-made for him. You mentioned – the freshman, and because practices are closed and you haven't had any exhibition games and scrimmages and things like that that may have been done in the past, nobody's seen the guys, and everybody is anxious to know what uh, Illinois is getting with those guys. Talk a little bit about each one and what you've seen through the workouts and how you see them contributing to this team. Um, they're, All four of them are going to contribute, and I say that, and I mean that. Um, uh, Brandon uh, Lee has been unbelievable. His progression rate already, we're so excited about him from, from, from being the unknown and nobody understanding that move to we're, we're sitting here shopping champagne, so to speak, because of his progression rate. And, and we feel like we, our, our, our skill and development piece and, and what we do in terms of Fletch and, and Palmer and the nutrition and him gaining weight and and, and, and our skill development piece from our coaches touching him, and, and, and he wants it, and, and, and he's tough, and, and, and he's going to be an unbelievable player for us. Remember, I told you guys this. He's going to be a big-time player here, and everybody's going to be like, well, holy cow, holy cow. But uh, the guy, the three guys that everybody knows is, I mean, obviously they're, 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 they're talented guys. They're going to they're gonna be in the mix. They're super, super-duper talented, although they got a lot to learn, and they realize that. They're realizing that every day. But they're getting a crash course to go up against – the Georgies of the world, the Kofis of the world, uh, Io's of the world, the Trents of the world, the Montes of the world. So those guys are getting that heat already in practice. They're getting they're getting battle tested in practice. They understand the dynamics of what it takes to play hard, to play against good players in this level, and how this level changes. And they're 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 getting their feet wet. They understand, that, and they having their moments. They're having their moments. They're not just chopped liver out there. The the, the, the veterans obviously respect them because of their talent speaks for itself. As far as Andre Corbello and his ball handling skills, um, your thoughts on that? Anybody you might compare him to? 
Cubello, uh, uh, you know, he's uh, he's not just you know uh, he can do a little bit of everything. Like like before Cubello changed his game when he was playing in Puerto Rico, or even in the small fry days and the bitty ball days. Cubello was a big time, big time scorer. He would score forty or fifty points. He's probably one of the most decorated players uh, in Puerto Rico. Um, uh, even more decorated than some of the the, the Puerto Rican players that uh, that went to the NBA. He has so many championships over there. But he changed his game, obviously, to be more of a facilitator and a playmaker when he came to New York. But um, him being able to, to to score the ball and facilitate and run a ball club and, and, and to razzle and dazzle you with all of his, his skill, ability, and ball handling ability. Um, we're seeing all of it, though. We're, we're, we're seeing the, the, the triple threat guy. We're seeing the guy who can put the ball in the basket at a high clip and also uh, amaze you and razzle and dazzle you with his passing and, and, and his field and his mind. Um, so we're excited about him. We're super-duper excited about him. He's, 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 he's a good player. The challenge for him is – uh, to continue to get better, continue to learn, uh, and he's a student of the game. And so we, we have no issues with and, and, and what he's going to be and what he's going to do for us. Now you know the schedule that uh, the week after next you'll be playing back-to-back-to-back games at the State Farm Center. That's got to get you excited. And then you don't want to look too far down the road, but you've got uh, some key matchups as well. It's going to tell a lot about uh, this team. And it was Friday the 13th of March. Yesterday was Friday the 13th, too, Lord. And the last time we had a Friday the 13th was the day that the NCAA basketball tournament was canceled in the Big Ten tournament. So I was on my way, but I didn't I know. get there. <laughs> it's been a long time. Is what the point I'm getting to, uh, Chin Coleman, that uh, uh, since the last game, I'm sure everybody's biting at the bit to get going. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. And, and that's part of what we're starting to see right now in our practices is that these guys are tired of, uh, of, 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 of scrapping with each other. I, I think, you know, we were at this point last year, and then um, we obviously had the, the, the scrimmage uh, game at uh, South Carolina, and then we had an exhibition game, and we were at this point trying to figure out what we are, who we are, how tough are we. And I was talking to a group of our players last night after practice, and I said, are we tough enough right now? And this is my, 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 my evaluation. Are we tough enough right now to be down 10 points at Michigan State? And at half, and come back and win the four-minute war, and, and and snatch the game away from them, uh, or are we uh, tough enough to be up six in Indianapolis at, at, at and playing against Baylor, and not allow for them to come back and win that four-minute war after half to tie the game or take the game away from us? Right now, that's what we're gauging: our toughness and our mental toughness in in terms of playing those games because. We're going to be in those environments for 20 of them in the Big Ten. But are we tough enough to, to be in those situations and come out victorious? And we had a pretty tough-minded group last year, and that's why we tied for most wins on the road in the Big Tens because we had a tough-minded group. And so now we need to develop that mentality again with this group. And if we do that, you know, we'll be fine. We're, we're, going, to be, we're going to have a great, great, great year. Well, we've had Andy Katz on this show a couple times uh, with Lauren and myself, and we thought we had an inside track to him flipping that coin the other night. <laughs> Didn't work out quite that well. well but you know, uh, maybe it's better to play yeah. at, at Missouri this year because next year maybe we can play at home where we could have fans. You know, I, I don't know. I, I was just wondering 
maybe if you you rather have it go this way because hopefully next next year, not this year, and hopefully next year, you can fill up that uh, the assembly the state farm center again. Or it goes back that to St. Be, Louis, one or the other. Yeah. yeah, Lauren, that would be great. That would be great. If no, I, I think I'm I'm with Lauren. That would be great if we can get it to be flipped to home and home now that that this has happened. I think that uh, that that would be that would play well for our fans, for us, man. We're getting ourselves prepared to hopefully win a Big Ten championship and hopefully win a national championship and play in the Final Four. And through that preparation, you got to go through some stuff to get some stuff, if that makes sense to you guys. And so if it means for us to go on the road to play in Missouri, go on the road to play at Duke, go play a neutral against Baylor, that's, man, what we're trying to do, why would you avoid that? Like, what? that's part of the process. So we welcome it. Let's go. I think That's back to your uh, one of your quotes last year. We didn't come this far to come this far. <laughs> absolutely not. Absolutely not. <laughs> it kind of and, applies, doesn't and, it? And absolutely, we didn't, and, and we're not, and we're and we're at a point right now that where our program is uh, uh, obviously you know trending in the right direction, and, and, and it's a, it's about you know maintaining and, and being consistent with, with what we're doing, and so. Uh, we're headed the right direction, and we're excited about our team. Again, we got to get better today. It's all about the next possession, the very first possession of practice. How good are we going to be uh, in two-on-two ball screens uh, today? So that's one of the first things we have on practice today, how good we're going to be in that segment, and that's what this is about. This isn't about looking ahead. This isn't about those, those marquee games. This is about how good we're going to be in two-on-two ball screens today. We'll let you get to practice. We appreciate your time. Thank you very much, Jen. Yeah, thank you, man. Appreciate you guys. Thanks for having me. You bet. Jim Coleman with us on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. We've got the phone lines open now, 356-9397. If you'd like to join us, what uh, excites you the most about this basketball team? Well, I, I think that the, the guard play is, is – and, you know, I'm, I'm just anxious to see if they can turn the shooting around, and you're not going to know in one or two games whether that's the case uh, – Trent Frazier wound up on a sour note last year shooting-wise. He's playing great defense. I'm sure he'll be in that lineup. But the thing that they've added is shooters. The three top freshmen are all known as shooters. Miller may be one of the best shooters in the country from long range. And, and uh, I was glad to hear him, hear Chin say that uh, Corvello was a, was a scorer before he was a passer. You know, he can, he can shoot. So I think that um, – I think those are the – that, that, you have to shoot the ball in order to, to win big. You can win games, but in order to win big, you have to shoot the ball, and they've got to get that three-point shooting up because everybody's shooting threes this year. Everybody's shooting threes in this era, and uh, if you can't make them, you're, you, you just can't stay with it. Uh, th- the threes add up faster than the twos. No kidding. Yep, I, I figured it out. Well, you, you researched that. Yep, I did. Let's uh, go to the phones. Gary is with us. Good morning, Gary. Yeah, good morning, guys. A couple comments, Lauren, and a question. Um, Minnesota didn't play Illinois last night, did they? Um, What a a difference from a week that they saw. All up front. uh, Anyway, yep, yep. Well, Iowa's always been tough, and and we're not tough enough. That's the problem. Uh, Let's go back back to the Wisconsin game. Yep. Um, Who was the best defensive player on the field that night? Okay, the Wisconsin game. Who was the best player on the field that night? Come on, Tariq Lauren. Barnes. 
Tariq yeah, Barnes. Barnes by, was the best, yes. Yep. By right, far. And, yeah, yes, by far. Okay, and now he's not even seeing the field. It's uh, it, it's mind-blowing to me that he's not on the field. Uh, He'll be there today. Uh, I, yeah. I, it sounds like they might have moved Eifler down and moved him into uh, the the uh, – I, I don't know. They may switch around the middle uh, of the 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 main uh, defenders in the middle there. I don't know which side um, Hanson's going to play. Whether he'll be the the uh, Sam or the Mike. I think he's going to be the Sam. I think. Right. They're moving him over to Sam, and they're moving uh, Barnes into the position he played in the Wisconsin game right. today. So, okay, your concern there okay. may be uh, resolved. We'll see. Had you thought about this, too, Lauren, or not? Yes, uh, I have. I mean, okay. I definitely. Okay. I, I just can't imagine uh, having a, a, a game where, where your best player, the star of the game, uh, didn't play in the next game. And virtually he did play, but he didn't play very much. Right, right. And then here's my here's my uh, vote for possibly a next head coach, um, Nathan Shieldhouse. Um, He's never been a head coach. <laughs> Well, yeah, I, know, I knew you were going to say that, and, and you can say every head coach in America has had a first head coaching job, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. He's been, he's, he played here, he was on the staff here, and now he's at Iowa State with Matt Campbell. I think he's been around enough football to, to get the gist of the game, and, and I think a young guy like him would bring enthusiasm not only to the program but to the fan base. And you could hire him for a fraction of the cost of what we're playing, Lovey. But uh, he's going to be head coach somewhere someday, guys. And I just think it'd be a total mistake for us not to take a look at him. And uh, uh, it'd be exciting, don't you? I mean, how can you not be excited about Nathan Shilas being a head coach? I mean, it's just we can't keep going down this path. I mean, if Lovey goes 0 and 12, losing the last 12 games, zero, something has to be done. I, and I know it's money, but how can you afford? Not to do it. That's my point. And uh, but anyway, uh, today's I think the last day that we have a chance to win a game. Uh, and I don't like our chances today, so I'll be watching. But uh, I, be I, I'm not going to totally disagree with you about winning a game. But Nebraska is not that dominant. Not that Illinois is going to beat them, but certainly they're vulnerable. I wouldn't say that you well, couldn't beat Nebraska because Nebraska folks are having. You know, they're pulling their hair out there because Nebraska's not playing better than they are. Well, uh, Nebraska put up over about 450 yards of offense last week against Northwestern. They were in the red zone about three or four times and didn't score. So mm-hmm. uh, I think we get blown out there myself. But uh, anyway, those are my comments. But uh, Nathan Shieldhouse, my vote. And uh, good, good show this morning, guys. I'll hang up and listen. Thanks. I appreciate the call. I'm disappointed that Nathan Shieldhouse – is is not on the U of I staff now. Mm-hmm. He I, was obviously, and uh, right. he would have been a good guy to to keep around here. Let's go to Steve in Princeton. Hey, Steve. Yeah, you were talking about uh, head coaches that haven't had experience. Yeah. yeah. And the one I'm thinking of, Luke Fickle. His name doesn't come up, and look what he's doing at Cincinnati. You know, I can't imagine him not wanting to get back into the Big Ten after Ohio State passed him by and so forth. But uh, to me, he's uh, he's sitting out there waiting for somebody to grab. Uh, where would you rather be, at Cincinnati or at Illinois? Well, 
right now Cincinnati, but I think he can make Illinois into something. Yeah, but where would you have the most success? You know what I would hate? Being a native of Ohio, Luke Fickle played at Ohio State. I would hate for Michigan to come after him <laughs> and and hire an Ohio State guy to go to Michigan. I don't but think did, they would. But did you see the, the record he had when he was the head coach at Ohio State yeah. that one year? Mm-hmm. What were they, 6-6? Six and six or I, yeah. I don't remember yeah. exactly. He was, a, he was a fill-in guy during that. Yeah. It's funny. I mean, he's, he's doing a tremendous job at Cincinnati, and he's, his recruiting has been really good. That's what you have to have. I don't care what else you can get. You can uh, you can get an offensive coordinator. You can get a defensive coordinator. Run the team on the field. I think you've got to have a head coach who can recruit. I mean, that's just a, by far the most important thing. The players with the the, the, the schools that get the best players win the most games. Go ahead. So, but anyway, but. I- I just like Luke Fickle and what he's done there and stuff. Sure. But, oh, yeah. You know, maybe maybe Cincinnati is a better job than Illinois. I don't know. But I, I would think he'd want to get back in the Big Ten. And like Steve said, Michigan, he'd love to come back at Michigan and then play Ohio State after they passed him over. <laughs> well, maybe he would. Maybe he wouldn't. I don't, I don't know. The, the, that rivalry runs the bad blood, and that runs so deep that I think uh, he's, he's always going to be an Ohio State guy. But – Bo Schembechler came from the state of Ohio to, to sure Michigan did. as well. So it's been done before. Hey, Steve, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Let's go to Alan in Montrose. Hey, Alan. Hey, guys. Uh, last uh, weekend, last Sunday, I was listening to an interview with Tom Allen, the Indiana coach. And one of the questions they had brought up was, what's the most important things to develop your program? Allen says, number one, recruiting. Number two, player development. And I said, bingo, exactly what we do not have. Uh, what's our recruiting? Uh, I know we lost some, we had some decommits. What is our recruiting right now? I haven't checked on it in the last couple months at all. Well, if you're talking about high school recruiting, uh, the high school recruiting has yes. been very weak for several years in a row, including now. Right. I mean, there's nothing else I can say. I mean, by comparison to other Big Ten schools, Illinois is in the bottom four. How many commits do we actually have I don't right know. now? I'd have to look it up. I, I don't know. I, you're you're I talking know, about for, for next year, and the problem with next year is they won't know how many players they can take until they know how many of the seniors are going to come back. Because all the seniors, you got 25 seniors, 24 seniors, whatever it is, and all of them can come back if they want. Now, I say if they want That's to, true. if Lovey wants them It's got to be a two-way thing. Then. Yeah, it's a two-way thing. Do they want to come back, and does Lovey want them to come back? But you're going to have some seniors coming back. I mean, I don't know how many. It might be five, it might be ten, it might be twenty. I have no idea. But you're going to have a – some seniors coming back, and, and the recruit, <laughs> high school recruiting doesn't mean as much as it used to. Plus, you got transfers yeah. possible. <clears throat> well, the sad thing about that is it might be a good thing, bad thing, whether you're talking about the seniors, because they're really not helping this year at all that I can see. Not much. What? Anyway. What, who's not helping? The seniors. Oh, well. <laughs> well, you tell me who really is. Well. There's not very many. Jake Hansen's playing pretty well when he can. Uh, well, I, I can't really think of anything. I think their offensive line has really slipped in the last couple of years. 
Well, yeah, I mean, it's not what we thought it was going to be, that's for sure. But when you got all those guys back, there's no question. But I think Green's playing well. Uh, I, I think that, uh, you know, I, I think Hobbs is going to be back today, isn't he, Steve? Yep. I think so. Mm-hmm. Kramer uh, will be back. Kramer will be playing really center. What's that? There's something really wrong when we're giving up 79% passing completion. I mean, jeez. Yeah. Yeah, there's something bad wrong. Drop balls a less percentage of that. That's unheard of. I mean, that's that yep. should never be that bad. Yeah. Okay, Alan. Thanks. Appreciate it. We've hit uh, nine o'clock. WDWs Champagne Urbana. We'll take a break and uh, kick off hour number two of Alani Pella Saturday Sports Talk. After this, stay with us. It's the second hour of Alani Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 217-351-5357. Here again are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Welcome back to the program, everybody, and uh, thanks for getting up early. We're on an hour early. We began at 8. We're going towards 10 o'clock, and then our Illini football Pre-game coverage takes over at 10 with the uh, game today in Piscataway, New Jersey. Illinois and Rutgers kicking off at noon. Thanks to our guests in that first hour, including Illini basketball assistant coach Chin Coleman. Had some good Illinois basketball conversation with him. Going to keep uh, the basketball format here in the beginning of the second hour. Our friend and Denver area bureau chief, Paul Klee is on the line with us this morning. Good morning, Paul. How are you? Morning, guys. How are my mentors doing today? <laughs> We're hanging in there. We're trying to make you proud. <laughs> we we just show up here every week, whether whether anybody wants us here or not. We just kind of take hey, over. Hey, wait a minute. Before, before we go start, even start, I want to know, what's the date of the birth of the young male son? <laughs> oh my gosh! Come on, tell us, uh, Lauren Jr. Lauren Jr. <laughs> He's uh, we've got four weeks left. We're four counting weeks. down the days to uh, to early December. But oh, okay, mom's doing great. Dad You're going to be a be daddy for the first time, right? That's that's as far as I know. Yes, your world is changing. <laughs> you're, you're, don't give me that as far as you know. Uh, your world is going to change. That's all I'm telling you. Yeah, it's coming right in basketball yeah. season too. What could be <laughs> what could be more perfect, right? Well, I, I I did mention this, and it went over pretty well because I have a spectacular woman who agreed to marry me. Um, that it, I, if we can arrange it so it comes after the Gonzaga, Iowa, Kansas, and Baylor games. Um, <laughs> That'd be great, so we can focus on those important things. <laughs> how how did that conversation go over for you? <laughs> she patted me on the head and left the room. So, um, <laughs> she used to tell you, you just keep believing that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you know there was um, that when the when NCAA tournament last year was uh, canceled, like it was, it was pretty crushing. I think for for folks like us. And especially the people that are involved, but she hasn't witnessed a, a tournament with me yet. So that will probably be the, the biggest challenge that we've had in the marriage so far is getting through an entire March uh, when all I think about and do is watch basketball. Well, it's going to get started here in about 10 or 11 days for uh, teams across the country. You're an AP 
uh, poll voter, and to no one's surprise, you had the Gonzaga number one, but you were pretty high on the Illini as well. Tell us about uh, yeah. what went into your uh, top ten or so. Well, I think that this is um, – I looked back, and it's been a long time since I – I don't know, Steve, if I've ever voted Illinois in the top ten, and it hasn't happened in the preseason. So I'm thrilled. I'm absolutely thrilled that this, they have a squad right now. I really like what they have. Um, I love that guard. I think he's going to be an All-American. And uh, the one, I guess the one unfortunate thing is um, <laughs> I've never had more fun than when Assembly Hall was full. And I wish that those fans had a chance to watch this team because I think Illinois is going to be really good. I think they're a top 10 team. I think I had them number 10. I think they're the best, or the second best team in the Big Ten after Wisconsin. I, Illinois is better than Iowa. Illinois is better than Iowa. They're going to beat Iowa. So I had them ahead of Iowa because they can guard. And uh, I can't wait to watch that team. This could be another year, even though Wisconsin is figuring high in the preseason. It seems like we always, to some extent, kind of underestimate Wisconsin. <laughs> How long are we going to do that? I don't know. Forever. You know? Yeah. Been doing yeah. it for 30 years. <laughs> right. And and so that we'll, So here's my comparison for Wisconsin. The, the Broncos play the Raiders on Sunday. They go out to Las Vegas and play those guys. And the Raiders have been bad for a really long time. Then they hire Gruden. They get all these draft picks, and they start to flip things around. Well, part of the reason is is because you, John Gruden has a 10-year, $100 million contract. So in his first year and his second year, he's not worried about getting fired. He's not getting fired. And part of the reason that Coach Ryan up there was so good for so long, he knew he wasn't going anywhere. So he could yeah. take the, the Brian Butches. He could take the, the projects that he had to redshirt for a couple of years. And he could get away with it because he knew he wasn't going anywhere. That stability is invaluable at Wisconsin. That th- those guys know they're not, you know, their job's not on the line every year. They can afford to redshirt really good players. Uh, I think this Wisconsin team is going to be really good. Well, who's the best player on the Wisconsin team, or do they have five equal guys? Because Garza stands out at Iowa. You know, Iowa mm-hmm. stands out for the Illini. But who st- really stands out for, for Wisconsin? Lauren, I have I have no idea. I, <laughs> it doesn't I, I matter, no does it? It doesn't matter because the, the you know there's a um, there's a former Wisconsin assistant that I talked to a couple weeks ago, and he said this is the trademark perfect Wisconsin team because there isn't one guy that you got to worry about, and they're going to play really slow. To some people, boring basketball. I love the way that they play on offense. It's super efficient, and this is going to be a really good Iowa team. You're going to have your 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 work cut out for you every time you play those guys. How do they compare with Virginia, and why do I connect Wisconsin and Virginia? Does it have something to do with the coaches? <laughs> yeah, I think that's it. Virginia, I don't know a great deal about. Um, I was told that I had Duke way too low, and I had Duke about – 13 or 14 and a couple of coaches called me out on that and said this Duke team which is on that Illinois schedule um, is going to be a top five top six type team of this course year. it so, is um, yeah <laughs> they've, they've got really really good young players and I had them too low that's one mistake that's my one mistake allowed for my top 25 voting this year well you got to change it after the first week so you know <laughs> and you're going to know an right. awful lot in early December because 
Well, you got Baylor playing that tremendous schedule. You got Duke involved and Illinois involved. It's, it's going to be uh, – it'll clarify pretty fast, don't you think? I, I do. And well, when is that? Is Illinois is playing Baylor and Indy, right? Yes. Okay. So that that's uh, that's as good of a game as you can see on any schedule anywhere. Uh, but Illinois can beat Baylor. Illinois can beat those guys. I think the Duke game is going to be – a little is going to be as difficult, if not more difficult, for Illinois. Yeah, they're playing those back to back. Ball, they're playing um, <laughs> December second against Baylor and in Indy, and then December eighth at uh, Duke. This is how it should be. You know, a lot of coaches they went into this deal thinking, all right, this is going to be weird anyway, so let's just front load the schedule as much as we can with these great non-conference games. Um, look, you know, look at Kansas and, and Gonzaga. They they lost their tournament in Orlando. They were both going to be down there, or at least Gonzaga was going to be down there. So, Self and Coach Few called each other up and said, "We were the two best teams in the country last year. They were going to be the number one and number two overall seed. Let's just go find a place to play it and get this game done." And they did it. So they're going to play in Fort Myers. And this is how this is how non-conference scheduling should work when you're not worried about your job going away. And By the way, we have right now. are they going to be able to get through this season without uh, any problems developing at LSU or Arizona? Or Cam- I mean, not, they already got problems. They've already been uh, received their letters. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you think that we'll have any decisions coming due here in the next two months? There's three. It, 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 this is what I was told, Lauren, and, and I hope I hope there is progress made in those investigations, um, especially at Arizona. That's that's at the top of my list um, because it's been going on for so long. But I think they're so distracted and distracted, probably not the right word, but, you know, consumed with getting this season done. The NCAA has so many moving pieces right now that it's hard for me to see some type of decision coming down right now because they have so much going on. How good is Gonzaga going to be? They've had some great teams, obviously, and uh... How do you size this one up with what uh, some of the teams he's had in the past? It, it's really different, Steve. It's um, they've they've introduced a lot of new players this year. Uh, this this will be a, a number one seed in the West, um, so it'll be their I think third in in four years number one seed. It was um, it, it's interesting how they've managed to do this because it's been about it's been every other year. They've had a number one seed that had a real shot at a national championship. You had the runner-up in 2017 that lost to Carolina in a heartbreaker. Then two years ago, you had the Rui Hachimura, Brandon Clark team that was the best team in the country the whole year. You're losing the Elite Eight to Texas Tech, and then you got two years later, you got this one. So um, it's on that level. Uh, they have really good guards. It's the best collection of guards that Gonzaga's ever had. And uh, you're, you're a little worried about the front court because it's freshmen and sophomores, but these guards are so good, I'm not sure it's going to matter. So I'm, I'm looking forward to watching them. They had their midnight madness the other night, and uh, it's a boatload of talent up there. They probably have six or seven NBA guys on this roster. What's the status of basketball on the West Coast otherwise, Pac-12 mm-hmm. and, and other schools? It just seems to me that uh, Gonzaga has, has mm-hmm. out – Outdone everybody out there. Who's number two in in the West? It's probably, you know, it's probably UCLA. Um, they're picked to win the pack, and it's a good team. It, it's, it's. I think their ceiling's probably a Sweet 16, 
that has really helped Gonzaga the last 10 years is Arizona falling off, UCLA falling off. They've kind of, not kind of, they really pushed ahead of anybody else. So that's really helped recruiting. Um, it's not as strong as it has been in the past. The Pac-12 down this year. It's been down the last couple years since that Lonzo Ball crew that came through. Um, so I'm hopeful, Lauren. I just want to get through this season, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm a little anxious about it. I, I think the testing policies, uh, testing healthy athletes, um, I think it's absurd, and uh, it makes me worried. I mean, you see a Stanford quarterback learn the other day that he had a false positive test that forced him to miss a game. Um, that makes you worry because what if, you know, Illinois' best player, what if Luke Garza gets a positive test, we find out, you know, weeks after the NCAA tournament it was a false positive. You know, that, that kind of thing could throw things um, for a loop real quick. So uh, I'm praying every night that we have a full college basketball season this year. Well, based on what we see in football, it won't be. And you got right. you have so many fewer players in basketball. If you have one or two players get it, it could just kill the team for two weeks mm-hmm. or more. Three, actually, three weeks. So I yeah, you know, I, I, hope, I, I hope that doesn't happen because this this is this Big Ten this year. I mean, it's every night you're going to have something good to watch on TV, and um, I'm thrilled for this Big Ten season, especially. Another couple of minutes with Paul Klee. In the last six or seven months. How has your job changed? Are you still going to games in person? Or are you basically working remotely? It's been um, unlike anything I've seen before and unlike anything I hope to see again. Um, we were able to attend when the Avalanche were starting their playoff run, all of their workouts. Um, the Nuggets, of course, were down in the bubble. Um, I can go to Broncos games now and cover Broncos games in person. Same for the Rockies. But it's all on Zoom calls. There's no locker room access. There's no uh, being on the sideline, anything like that. Um, and it's it, there's a detachment for sure. I, I even writing about these Broncos just about every day, you really you feel like you're di- disconnected from them. I feel like I don't know this team <laughs> whatsoever. Uh, there's guys on the roster that I say I've never heard of that guy before, and we're in week ten now. So I hope we get back to normal real soon. Um, I do think it, you know, it, it, it takes something away for fans too. I, I feel like, you know, my friends out here, people I know, aren't as intimately involved with a Broncos season or a Nuggets season as they have been in the past because they've got other stuff going on. You know, they've got more important stuff going on. So um, it's been different, that's for sure. And I think it's really hurt sports overall, and you can see that reflected in the television ratings. Well, also reflected in the three and five record of the football team too, right? Yeah, they're not very good, Steve, and they've <laughs> been not very good for uh, ever since Super Bowl Fifty. They haven't been able to figure out the quarterback situation. But I'm interested to see what happens Sunday because I'm fascinated by the idea we have an NFL team in Las Vegas. Well, Paul, we appreciate your time as always. We enjoy talking to you on a number of subjects, but uh, not the least of which is college basketball and we're anxious to to hear um, we send our best to to your wife and an upcoming you. young son it'll be an exciting time for you we'll be thinking about you thank you i hope he has lauren tate's golf game and and <laughs> i would like to get a um, a master's prediction from you too how's this going to play out oh wow well Boy, at that's... the moment we've got 
five guys tied at nine under and four more guys at eight under. I'm going to go with Justin Thomas. Are you? Okay, okay. When I see Dustin Johnson on leaderboard, I go towards uh, Dustin Johnson. Yeah, that's a side with him this weekend. That's a good uh, pick as well. Johnson's a good guy to follow, but Thomas is consistent. He is, and Mm -hmm. Thomas' short game is so good, and he's long enough for a little guy. He's not a very big guy at all. Paul, he's about your size. Rom's in that mix, too. Yeah. Hey, Warren, what would you shoot on your birthday, by the way? I shot 90. Now, what what else do you want to know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but a couple days before, he shot 85. So, it's evening out there. Well, well, happy birthday, Lauren, and great to talk to you guys again. (laughs) You too, Paul. Good luck to you. We'll talk to you soon. All right, guys. Yep, Paul Clee with us. He writes for the Gazette in Colorado Springs, although he's – based in Denver, does most of his work from there. It is 9.20. Phone line is open. Coming up at 9.30, Jay Lehman will join us. He's working the game out in Piscataway today on uh, BTN. We'll have a conversation with him. In the meantime, if you'd like to join us, 356-9397 is the number. Illini Pella, Saturday Sports Talk, back after this. 9.23, Illini Pella, Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly. Phone line is open right now, 356-9397. Steve is with us. Go ahead there, Steve. Yeah, I was listening to, and you talk about lovey, and you talk about recruiting, Indiana's recruiting, and all this other stuff. How will this lawsuit in Iowa City come out and affect Kurt Ferentz? I mean, they're still playing. They're still getting the black athlete. There's, I mean... And Illinois had lawsuits in the past that affected their recruiting. Kids went elsewhere because of it. How's this going to play out in Iowa City, or will Kirk Ferentz be back next year? If Kirk Ferentz doesn't want to, wants to be back next year, he'll be back next year. But they're not going to fire him. Uh, there has been he. It came up this week about maybe he would step down, or at least he addressed that subject. I don't know whether he wants to continue or not. If he wants to continue, it's his job. They, they play hard. They'll have, it doesn't matter who they recruit. They just get guys that play hard. And I, I don't think, I know that uh, they have a little, they have a problem with some of the black athletes that they're recruiting. I know at least one decommitted, but beyond that, I don't know um, uh, how, how it's going to affect them. But uh, all I know is they went out and played awful tough football yes last night. And they look good to me, and I, I don't know when I don't know uh, when Illinois will catch up to them because I was way ahead. But that lawsuit would have to be damaging some effect, I think. How can you avoid that and not uh, have some kids go elsewhere? I, I think that they probably will have a few kids. I, I, I think it certainly doesn't help, and it's fair to say it probably hurts them, yes. But beyond that, I mean, they're still going to have a football team. They're still going to play hard as long as he's there, as long as that staff's there. But maybe Luke Fickle will end up in Iowa. Well, now there's a consideration. You know, but you, I don't know that uh, there's nothing to indicate to me that Ference is leaving. Right. Unless he decides to retire. And his son is but not going to get that job, I don't think. Right. Uh, although that might have been his plan originally. But his fan was his son is part of the complaint against him. So I think they had less of a complaint against Ferentz than they had against a couple of other people. And I I think Ferentz is a, a really good coach, and I think that Iowa's 
fortunate to have him, and I think that they'll do everything they can to keep him, regardless of uh, any lawsuit. But I just was surprised that that racial overture of 13 guys filing a lawsuit would uh, seal his fate. Well, I don't see it happening, is my opinion. Uh, but, you know, I can certainly be wrong. The week of the Iowa game, have your friend from Iowa City on and uh, see what he thinks. You mean Scott Docterman? Yes. Yeah, we'll try to get him. Yep, we've got the two or three guys over there we can get on that week, and we'll do that. Okay, thanks, guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, appreciate it, Steve. 356-9397. I read Docterman all the time mm-hmm. and, and daily, and uh, I would say to you that uh, he's given no indication I see no indication that Ference is leaving, although there comes a time when a, when a coach just decides he's got enough money, he's, got a, he's coached long enough, and he might want to step right. down. That time will come. I don't know whether it's now or later. Yep, he's the dean of Big Ten football coaches yeah. at the moment. Have you been uh, by the Pella Window Store lately, 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign? They're open Monday through Friday, 8 to 5. Check out their... Um, Lifestyle series of wood windows and patio doors. Most styles available with a triple pane glass, which can improve energy conservation. The uh, Pella Lifestyle Series is a leader in energy efficiency. Plus, you can personalize solutions for each room in your home with available pool, available product packages. The Pella Lifestyle Series allows you to choose features that fit your project's unique style. And with so many colors and finishes and grill pattern options, you'll find the Lifestyle Series windows and patio doors the perfect complement for your home and budget. Again, Monday through Friday, 8 to 5, see Mike Mary and his team at uh, the Pella Window Store, 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign. And uh, check them out online if you like, PellaOfChampaign.com. 9.27, we'll take a time out and be back with more Right here on the Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. We are moving up on 930 WDWS Champaign-Urbana. This is Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly with you until 10 on early uh, today because of the early kick time. At uh, shortly after noon Champaign time, Illinois and Rutgers in Piscataway, New Jersey, Jay Lehman Working the uh, ball game for BTN is with us. Good morning, Jay. How you doing? What's up, fellas? My favorite morning radio show, pregame <laughs> show. No other people I'd rather talk to. Well, we appreciate that, and the check is in the mail for that. So yeah, what uh, kind of game you're looking for out there? Illinois on the road, a six-point underdog in this ball game to the uh, what looks to be a much-improved Rutgers Scarlet Knights ball club. How do you size it up? Yeah, well, first off, I think it's interesting. It's the first time that Rutgers has been favored in the conference game since 2014. That gives you a little bit of feeling of the state of the Illinois program. So that's not a good feeling. Number two is I think it's going to come down to quarterback play for the Illini. Who will that quarterback be? We're not necessarily sure. But I do know Greg Ciano is an expert at disguising coverages and bringing a lot of pressure um, and saying, you know what, daring people to throw, leaving his DBs on an island. And I think you'll see what the first three teams have done to Illinois, which is stack the box, make them beat them with the throw. They even did that in week one, Wisconsin versus Illinois, and see if Illinois can complete some passes. 
Is the weather going to be a factor there at all? It's raining in central Illinois, but I know that... Uh, no, it, yeah, it's bright and sunny. You know, the wind might be a factor. It's about 15 to 20 miles an hour on the... Looks to be a little bit out of the north, um, so the, the flags are rustling. But it's a bright, sunny day. Not, not a bunch of clouds in the sky. It was raining here yesterday. What uh, in the disappointment category for Illinois? What bothers you the most, or maybe surprises you the most, on what you've seen from Illinois through three games? Oh boy, that's just a loaded question. I mean, where do we where do we start, Steve? I mean, usually you. You give me a little wiggle room on stuff, but man, it pin me to the wall on this one. And I'll just say this. I mean, for having a great offensive line, supposedly, with the most experience in the Big Ten, they've been awful. They've been awful. I don't care if they stack the box. They haven't been good, guys. They have not been good running the football consistently, okay? Remember, and I know Doug Kramer's out. I know they had moved some stuff around because of that. But, man, you've got to be able to run the football better, okay? Number two, I, the back seven. I mean, Hanson has made some plays. Tariq Barnes made some plays in the first week. But other than that, especially the secondary, I thought Nate Hobbs could be all Big Ten. He has not been all Big Ten. I thought Sidney Brown could be, you know, second or third team all Big Ten. He has not played like that. Horrible, horrible angles. And quite frankly, it's been undisciplined football. Uh, This is the last one, the third one. Undisciplined. We've got penalties, critical errors. All at times, you just cannot have them in year five. And I think that's the most frustrating thing for all my fans. So where do we go from here, <laughs> Jay? <laughs> <laughs> hey, guys, you know, you and I try to sit on the positive. It's a great question. Where do we go from here? I mean, uh, the reality is I, I, I'm not sure. I, I, I'll give you just an overview of the Big Ten Conference, and you guys model it, maybe more so than I do. I get to watch all these, all these different teams. Um, of the teams that I would consider um, – programs that Illinois maybe would say they are peers to over the last, let's say, decade of football, Indiana, uh, Purdue, uh, Minnesota, Maryland, and Rutgers, all of those programs, uh, Indiana top 10, uh, uh, Purdue currently undefeated big matchup against Northwestern, Minnesota 10 wins last year, Rutgers with a road win against uh, Michigan State, Maryland with two wins, uh, are all, all ahead of Illinois right now, and all of those coaches that I just mentioned have been there less than Lovey Smith, and I think that is the big thing where I'm like, where is the improvement? This is the year that it's supposed to be. I know they've missed their quarterback. I understand that. Unfortunately, when I look at the tape, it's just not good enough, guys. There's no way to cut it. It's not good enough to win games. Well, what do you do if you if you got an all if you got 25 seniors? Like you know, a lot of these guys could come back too. I mean, how how do you how do you explain the fact that this this is the culmination of what Lovey was building? Well, uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm at a little bit of loss for words. It's hard to get to me lost words. I, there there really is no explanation other than the fact that what he built thus far through three weeks of the season has been shaky at best. Obviously, got hit with COVID. I understand that we got to have more depth. The fact that our quarterback play, guys, is so far away from what a Big Ten quarterback needs to be, it's, it, it's just ridiculous. It, we are so far away. And if you have a quarterback, you have a chance. If you don't have a quarterback, you've got no chance. And I think what we've seen when Illinois has been good is they've, they've had quarterbacks over the years. So, I mean, and you, guys, you guys know this. I mean, we look at Mike White's quarterbacks. They had a chance. We look at what Verduzco did 
well, you know, with McAvoy, if we look at what Kirk Kittner was able to do, we look at what Juice Williams was able to do, even Steelhouse in his time, they had a chance with a quarterback. We don't have a consistent quarterback, and that's brutal. Well, part of that is to the blame, you know, the fact that Peters has. I can't. The thing I can't explain about the quarterback is there's nothing surprising about when you put your fourth string in there. But the thing that shocked me was the way Peters played against Wisconsin. Now, some of that was Wisconsin's defense, but some of the fact was that he just didn't throw well that night. I don't get it. I mean, how do you explain that that one game that Peters well, had? I'm, well, here's the deal. I, I think it's more than one game. I think let's look at his whole career. Let's look at his whole career at Illinois. We can, we, we'll talk to Michigan stuff. I think he played about four or five good games out of the ten he played last year. Okay. You know, that, I, I, I don't think he's been that consistent ever. Um, I mean, he he our babies bailed him out because he turned 80-20 balls into, I mean, 50-50 balls into 80-20 balls. I, I'm just not, I'm not convinced he's the answer. Now, does he have the athletic ability, the pedigree, the high school? to say yes, but the reality is that, I mean, the, re- the reality is he just hasn't performed like that. Well, we're not giving the fans of, of Illinois very much to be positive about today, but but there isn't much to be positive about. How, how far has you think the fandom has fallen in the last five years, ten years, and you know, since you've been aware of it? Yeah, guys, I, I'm not trying to bring the show down. I'm just a passionate fan and alumni. Uh, you know, I love Kelly and Tate and whatnot. So here's the deal. The first week, people are ticked off. The second week, they're confused. The third week, apathy starts to set in. Once apathy starts to set in, we're in trouble, guys. We've got to have something happen soon. And these next two weeks are critical. You look at Rutgers, you look at Nebraska, teams that Illinois, if you look at their schedule, probably is, you know, on paper, probably going to be the most competitive win. Pro- probably. I don't know. I'm trying to look down the line. You saw what Iowa did to Minnesota last night, yeah. And what Minnesota did to Illinois last week. Hello, we, I mean, we guys, we we've got red alert. Push the button. We we got we got to get stuff done. Right? And so I, I don't I don't know how to like, spin it. Let's uh, step away from Illinois for a moment. What's the best story? <laughs> guys, let's just step away from Illinois <laughs> for for just a moment. What's the best story in the Big Ten so far in your mind? Would it be Indiana? Well, I think Indiana's a remarkable story uh, at 3-0. and I mean, I think Northwestern's a remarkable mm-hmm. story. I think Northwestern. And I think, uh, you know, also Maryland's a cool story, other than the COVID just hit with them. But I think for them to get two wins on one against Penn State, I think those are those are all phenomenal stories. And I think what's, what's tough is that you have Northwestern and you have Indiana and you have, let's just say, Minnesota. All those programs are getting players from Illinois that we're not getting, and they're winning with them. And then that's the tough thing. So let's, I didn't mean to bring it back to Illinois, guys. What's, uh, let, let's stay away for a moment. <laughs> what's <laughs> what's going on in Ann Arbor? Oh, man. Boy, there's nobody probably more set up than Illinois than Ann Arbor fans. No identity. Uh, quite frankly, outplayed from the very jump against Indiana last week. And, um, you know, Jim Harbaugh has not really, other than 2016, has not been able to get his great quarterback like he did with Andrew Luck and a big running back like he did with Toby Gerhardt at Stanford. Just haven't seen that at Michigan, and I don't know what it is. But at, uh, as far as it being a rival with Ohio State, I'm not sure it's much of a rival right now. Ohio State looks so much more dominant. 
Let's go back to the Illinois game now. And Lovey has indicated that he will make some changes at some positions. Um, what do you expect to see? I mean, this is, a, I agree with you, this is a, a critical game, uh, even though. Uh, in years past, Illinois would have been favored in this ball game, but uh, with what's ahead, and then after the Nebraska game, you got Ohio State and Iowa back to back. You know, what do you think they can do to to get this turned around? Yeah, you know, I uh, one, I think we got to have better better play from the quarterback, uh, whether that's Taylor, whether that's Williams, whether that's Peters when he comes back, or, or Robinson. Uh, so first is, is better play from the quarterback. Second is better offensive line play. We've, we've got to do better time of possession. We're dead last in the FBS in time of possession. We, we can't keep the ball for love nor money. And the reality is if we can't hold on to the ball, we can't win football games. I don't think we can live and die by turnovers anymore. Um, it's certainly not working this year. I think it's a boon to us. Yes, so offensively, got to be able to run the ball, got to have better quarterback play. Defensively, uh, we got to cover somebody. There's got to be people covering guys way down the middle of the field, not wide open. And we're not just talking about David Bell. David Bell's going to make his plays. I'm talking about Mason Stocky, Ferguson from Wisconsin. These are tight ends and fullbacks who should be running by our guys. And so we've got to play better. And, and Levin said that. He said, hey, I'm disappointed we played. We've got to play better. And he said, you know, if we had better quarterback play, we would play old, not just better on offense, but better on defense. You just don't play your best starting quarterback. We'll see. If that happens next week, uh, hopefully Brandon will be back next week. Um, I know that the, the, the quarantine time will be over, uh, the 21 days, so, so hopefully he returns, and, uh, you know, we'll go from there. Well, I would, I would think that the, the quarterback situation will not be ideal this season because I think, just my opinion, I think that Rod Smith needs a running quarterback to be successful with what he's calling. Now, uh, Williams can run. We know that, but, we, but he, we haven't seen him throw enough to know whether he's accurate enough to make that work. And what little we've seen has not been positive. So I do expect to see a lot of Isaiah Williams today. But, man, I, I think that uh, Peters is, is the answer this season. I think he has to be if Illinois is going to have some success. And I, I think that the next two games are winnable. I just, I just think that – I don't think Rutgers is, is to the point where they should be able to dominate Illinois, and I don't know. They're awful unhappy in Nebraska. I, I expect Nebraska to lose again today. So, I don't know. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think, I think the next two games are probably the most winnable uh, for Illinois. But at the same time, I think Brandon Peters at this point probably does give it the best chance. We'll see how much we see Isaiah Williams today. I mean, highly touted recruit. What does he really have, especially when it comes to running the football and, and running the offense and, and throwing the football? Because, like you said, we have not seen him throw the ball much at all. Hey, Jay, we appreciate your time. Hope you have a good broadcast, and uh, we'll be keeping an eye on that as well. And thanks for always taking time with us. Oh, yeah, man. I'll be more positive broadcast. You guys tune in, man. 12 o'clock Central will be champagne, okay? <laughs> all right. <laughs> thanks. Thanks, Jay. Bye-bye. Jay Lehman with us from Piscataway, New Jersey, 943. Phone line will be open the rest of the way. You know, I'll say this. Uh, Jay carries his emotions right on his shoulder, sure. you know, and that's fine because he was a former player and he loves Illinois and he and he's disappointed, but I'm going I'm to tell you, he's not the only one. I mean, there's just an awful lot of people in this community, everybody I run into. You know, whether it's wherever, I mean, they're just, and I still get around more than I should, I guess, if we're for a virus situation. But um, 
this this is really discouraging because there's not one thing that you can put your finger on. I mean, the offense is bad. The running game is bad. The passing game is bad. The passing defense is bad. I mean, every single aspect of the game. And, and, and the time of possession is ridiculous. The turnovers are the behind in turnovers this year. Only one behind by one. But you, as he said, you just can't depend and rely on turnovers to win games. It happens. It's wonderful. But it can happen the other way, too. It's, it's too guessy. On those happy notes, we'll take a time out and be back with more. Stay with us. The Line Pella Saturday Sports Talk continues after this. Welcome back to the show. We're in the home stretch of this particular event, going till 10 o'clock, fighting Illini game day at 10, football kickoff shortly after noon from Piscataway, New Jersey, Illinois, and Rutgers. Through all of this, we're keeping an eye on the Masters as they've pretty much finished, gotten everybody through their second round now. And you've got five guys tied at nine under par, five more guys at eight under par, another two or three, three guys at seven under par. The, and you haven't even got into the third round yet, Stephen. I know. <laughs> but there's 20 guys right there Yeah. within yeah. a shot or two. Tell so, me how, how this works now. Uh, when they complete this, they're, they're going to change the T-blocks and they're going to change the pin settings, right? Yes. For the, for the third round. Mm-hmm. So they got to have somebody out there <laughs> getting pretty busy taking care of all that. But they, boy, the golf course, and I've never been to Augusta, so I can like speculate and talk about what I see on TV, but it looks magnificent. Yeah. I oh, think yeah. it looks better. Well, when, and you don't have any uh, – you have a situation where it, it softened it up with the rain – and then you don't have any wind. Yeah, it's uh, these guys. Then you see how good these guys are yeah. in hitting 180, 200 yard approach shots right to the pin. Yep. Well, and then they don't run off the uh, run, they don't run off like they used to. One guy hit a hit a three wood 245 to within three feet of the pin. Sure. <laughs> and he hooked it around the trees, and it just sat right down. But uh, I think it, the course looks better with the different fall colors. You know, the leaves are changing. It's uh, a wonderful oh, it's thing beautiful. to watch. And there's a lot of, as we said, a lot of guys still in the hunt there, and uh, it'll be fun TV. You can watch golf, and you can watch football, and you can listen to our broadcast on Fighting an Eye Sports Network. We uh, begin with our pregame show at 10 o'clock. We do have the phone lines open here for the last few minutes if you'd like to jump in. We've got some calls coming in. Our weekly conversation with Marty down in Pinehurst. Uh, good morning, Marty. What do you say? Morning, Steve. Morning, Lauren. Steve, having been to Augusta, I can tell you one thing. TV does it no justice. It is much hillier and much steeper mm-hmm. than you can tell from TV. Yeah, you can ask Mike Small about that. He'll verify that for you. Oh, I've I've know several is. guys that have been there that could verify that. And yeah, it is beautiful though. It is beautiful. I I really like the way you guys have set Illinois up to look good today because you've got them down about as low as is humanly possible. Not that they don't deserve it, but it, it was gloom and doom today. Well, You're we're just, just playing for the dark winter. Well, we're just reporting facts, is what we do. We're not. Yeah, it's. It is a tragedy. I don't understand how a defense can leave people so open so often 
in the secondary. I haven't figured that out. I understand playing with fourth and fifth string quarterbacks is not an ideal way to play in any conference, let alone the Big Ten. Um, and Lauren's right from early in the show, his statement that he's made many times before, if you have better athletes, you do better, period. Um, it all gets back to recruiting. I am going to be interested today to see what Williams can do if he gets a chance. Uh, you're right, he hasn't thrown much, haven't seen him much, but a running quarterback is essential. I do have one question. Two years ago when Bush was there and he was a running quarterback and the offense was much better, especially on the ground, am I correct that the offensive line coach left after that season? Yes. Yes. And I, I sometimes wonder if that also may have something to do with it because this offensive line has been the biggest disappointment to me because they should be pretty good. Yes, as as Just far as disappointments come, that has to be your biggest because they figured to be the best. Yes. They figured to be at least the best unit on the team in terms of experience. Right. And and they lost a lot of all those defensive linemen last year, you know, and they, that that's uh, that's a major concern because they're not stopping the run as well as they should either. By the way, that Abraham, even though they got beat last night, boy, he runs hard. I'll say that for Minnesota. But uh, yeah. but Iowa, Iowa just I, – I don't – somebody said, you know, and we got the call about uh, is Iowa going to be impacted by the the problems, the racial problems that they had and, sure. the, and the court case that all these different former players brought against uh, uh, Ferentz's program – and the answer is, as long as he's coaching there, I don't think it matters. They might get the well, team managers out there. They're still going to play hard. Earlier in your show, Coach Q made a statement that's very it, – it's kind of under the radar, but when you have a staff that stays together for a long period mm-hmm. of time, you tend to have success recruiting, not only coaching, but recruiting. And yeah. Iowa staff doesn't turn over very much. And well, they recruit to so, their to their strengths. So they recruit to what they want. Yeah. Yeah, they want a steady offense that runs the ball, controls the clock, and a defense that is stingy and makes you work for every yard you get yep. and doesn't give up big plays. And that's their recipe. I mean, I, I don't know the answer, Lauren, because we've been talking about Illinois being down a long time, and this should have been a better team. And the season's not over yet, but it's a tough one. Well, the question, the question that comes up now is can Lovey turn over the team uh, to the next coach in better shape than the than the previous coach turned over to him. I don't know when that's going to happen. I'm not saying it's going to be this year, next year. I don't know. Yeah, I but don't I'm know. just wondering. I, I mean, wh- are we in better shape now than we were when when uh, you know no. when we had an interim head coach for a year? Right. We're in better shape from a facility point of view. Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that will help the next coach most likely. But is the team better? I kind of doubt it, especially when you're relying on uh, transfers. Um, the transfer is a year-to-year thing, and if you don't have a good group of athletes that are going to be there four or five years, uh, how are you going to be better when the next coach comes in? Well, the real story is how we're going to be uh, how how we're going to handle all these seniors who have another year of eligibility if they want it. How will they well, how will they react and how will Lovey react in terms of the ones he wants because he doesn't have to yes. give them another year but no, he will uh, give some for sure well, some we, are coming back for sure yeah and I mean I would they, think so if they're not NFL bound 
and most of them won't be, then Lovey will pick and choose, I suppose, what he needs and who he thinks helps the team. I mean, what else are you going to do? That's up to him. And I would say that after this season, if he gets one more season, which I think he's likely to do, they better have some performance, or I'd say that, that the cork's got to be pulled probably. So that's just me looking from a distance. And by the way, who who are a couple of these guys Luke Fickle's agents? They're trying to get him. Luke Fickle has done game. an awful lot to have. He doesn't need an agent. He's. Uh, I was going to say he's. He's from. You know, he was at Ohio State. He coached there for a while. Defense coordinator did a good job. He's done a great job in Cincinnati. Cincinnati is not a bad town to live in, and it's not a bad place to coach football either. So I don't know that he's leaving. Oh the no. Last question I've got. The oh. last question I've got is: Is the guy that calls in is Gary? Is he like Al from Fisher's brother? He sounds a lot like him. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. You're you're paying a lot of attention there, Marty. <laughs> well, I mean, I, the voice and the and the and what he talks about sounds like Al from Fisher, but he says it's Gary, so I'm confused. You know, hey, thanks for the I call. Pay too much attention. Yep. Take a great. Bye bye. Bye. Let's go to Alan in Champaign. Go ahead, Alan. You're on the air. Good morning, gentlemen. Your talk about the Masters prompted me to, to mention that um, you were saying they're all the, the super great players, and that's certainly true. They're the best in the world. But I'm struck with the, the scores, and perhaps it's just the nature of the course, but you'll see one of the top players, and they'll have a bogey, then an eagle, then three birdies, and another bogey. They seem to be all over the place. Uh, you have the old days, you used to have just a string of pars with an occasional birdie here and there, but um, you look at somebody's card, and they got bogeys and double bogeys all over the place. I think it's very interesting. It is. It's really a fun event to watch, and it's a little bit different this year in so many different ways, but it looks like it's going to get exciting before the weekend's over. Thanks a lot, guys. Yep, appreciate the call. 9.56, we're getting set to step aside for Fighting Illini game day coming up here and. Just a couple of moments. Back to this ball game today. It kicks off at 12 o'clock, 12.01 to be exact, out in SHI Stadium, Piscataway, New Jersey. Illinois going in uh, as a six-point underdog to the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. And hopefully we'll, we'll see uh, something that maybe Illinois can build on. Uh, we mentioned Tariq Barnes earlier in the conversation. I think you will see him get more playing time today. You will see Isaiah Williams in the ball game, and uh, hopefully they'll they'll find something they can build on. Another uh, defensive lineman that played well before he had the contact tracing problem was Randolph, Scott yep. Randolph. He he really looked good to me in, in, in the first game. I thought he and Barnes were two of the top players, along with uh, a couple of the interior linemen played well in that game, although, you know, how well, I don't know, compared to Wisconsin. But in any case uh, – I think that you have to do, if not a major shakeup, you have to make some changes when, when things get as low as they were last week. The other games on the Big Ten schedule today, besides that Illinois Rutgers game, number ten Indiana plays at Michigan State. That's a trophy game for the old brass spittoon. <laughs> Penn State plays at Nebraska at eleven. Northwestern at Purdue at four o'clock. Then coming up tonight, number thirteen Wisconsin is at Michigan at 6.30. The Ohio State-Maryland game canceled earlier this week. Their number now, I think, Lauren, is 57 college games that have been 
postponed this and or canceled. This is a bad week, a particularly bad week in the SEC. They have four games called off. Too bad that uh, Ohio State and Alabama couldn't get together and play this weekend. Yeah. They both had games canceled. Yeah. Uh, by the way, UCLA and Cal are playing Sunday. You see, those are making – Right. They, they decided that way, like Thursday, they decided to play. <laughs> that takes care of us this morning. Uh, thanks for listening with us, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. This is WDWS Champaign-Urbana. Fighting Illini game day is up next. Have a good weekend, everybody.